Hey there, I'm Emlyn Miles Mattingly, your host for the Minority Money Podcast. I'm glad you're here. You know why? Because this is the place you can come to get your weekly finance, family, and fitness motivation, not only to experience success in those areas for yourself, but also to help others in our community achieve greatness too. Super happy that you're on the show with me. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to the Minority Money Podcast. I am your host, Emlyn Miles Mattingly, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And I hope you have been enjoying our celebration of Pride Month. It is going to continue today. We have been getting tremendous feedback. We've seen how many downloads we've been getting, and people are loving this. So we are excited about the celebration of Pride. And we are going to keep that going today. We have two incredible guests. I can't wait for you to hear their stories and what they're working on. As we've been doing before, We've been given little market updates and little tips on what you can do as it pertains to your accounts and just financial tips. One of the things I'll say is it is completely unnatural for the human brain to do absolutely nothing in the face of turmoil. And right now we have market turmoil. We have the markets are going crazy, right? And conventional wisdom would tell you to do something that goes against everything that we believe as humans that we're not supposed to do anything. But I have news for you. The best thing you can do is meet with your financial advisor and let them talk you off the ledge and not do anything irrational during these volatile times. I promise you it is against, it's counterintuitive. It goes against everything that we think, everything we, we know, because as humans, we can't do nothing. We have to do something to cause something to happen. But I'm here to tell you, hang in there, hang in there. Everything's going to be all right. I promise you, everything will be all right. This isn't the first time we've had something like this happen in the market. It's not going to be the last time. It's just one of the times that we have it happen. So I just wanted to get that out there. Take a deep breath, (laughs) take a deep breath and take another deep breath. And everything is going to be okay. With that, we're going to jump into today's episode. We have Ramona Mayer with us today and Laura Latourette. Welcome to the show. So First, I wanted to have each of them give their own brief introduction to themselves. And if we could have you start with this, Ramona. Yes, thank you. And great point. Sometimes we just got to sit put and it doesn't make sense to do so. But that's why I love what I do and in helping people. I feel like sometimes I'm a glorified therapist. But yeah, thanks so much for having me. I am a certified financial planner, originally immigrated from Romania, also a Navy veteran. I'm here on the West Coast in Phoenix, Arizona, supporting LGBT, minorities, veterans, and underserved communities. It's really important for me to help change the money story for many people to allow more people to build and preserve wealth. So I've recently joined Laura's firm, Family Wealth Management Group, and part of building her succession plan and also building my own practice. So lots of great things going on. Nice. Hi, and I'm Laura LaTourette and also a CFP. And so happy to be here. Thank you so much, Emlyn, for inviting us. This is really exciting, especially to celebrate Pride Month with you. I know that we've been getting a lot of inquiries and it's nice that people are interested in the story as well as, you know, what we're wanting to do to kind of shake up the industry. We are looking for LGBT clients and sometimes it's hard to find LGBT advisors. So we are out there and doing what we can to make sure you know where we are and what we're doing. I'm in my 60s, so I'm looking for succession and wanting to kind of exit and figure out my exit plan. And so wanting to have a peer to join me to do that 
is why Ramona's here. And I was so excited when we were introduced on social media and found each other. So really kind of cool stuff going on. So thanks so much. And we are happy to be here. Nice. I was excited in social media. Let's talk about it because this is how we all met. I was cruising around on Twitter a couple of weeks ago and I seen something that you two were creating. And I, I said, we have to talk about this. We got to talk about it. And it just so happens that this was going, you know, during Pride Month. I'm sure that was intentional. But I wanted to talk about creating the Rainbow Network. So, you know, tell us a little bit about it. Talk about it a little bit. I'm excited to hear about it. And I'm sure the listeners are going to be excited to hear about this too. Well, I've been working on this concept for the last couple of years, you know, just trying to make sure that there is a way for LGBT advisors and for our community to find us. It's very hard to find us. You know, we come out all the time and that's one of the the issues is we really have to kind of self-promote because you can't always tell that we're part of the LGBTQ community. So, you know, what we're doing is trying to figure out how are we going to identify each other? How are we going to network with each other? How are we going to grow this network nationwide? And really focus on trying to also keep some of the money within our community. Um, Really important to us. One of the things with our elders is there's not a safe place for most of them to live and to have a quality of life. So, you know, there's a lot of things on our plate that we have to look forward to. So we'll be telling you more and more about it as we create it. Yeah, awesome. Just hearing you say like, there's no way to, because people of color, right? You can just see. If it's women, you can see. But when it's this in particular group, it makes it a little more difficult to tell who they are, where the help is, who's going to be able to help you. So we need it. We need what you are creating. Ramona, it looked like you had something. Yeah, you know, I think even more so as LGBT youth are growing, there's a lot of parents that are straight, but they have LGBT children or trans youth. And so it's beyond what we could possibly see. Even if you were to see a couple, you still don't know the dynamic. And so it's very important that they have representation and a place where they can access resources and also to have some of the information that can be accessed for free, just educating them. But beyond that, yes, the goal is to help partner with these families and help them with their unique situations. So that way they can have peace of mind, not only for their retirement, but also planning for their children with unique situations. One thing that I always like to ask about and something that we've been feeling as we've been trying to create Onyx and all that, one of the things that I like to ask about is or feel is the reception. What have you been hearing from people as you made this announcement? I'm sure it's been incredible, right? It has. It's been so exciting. There's been many people that have reached out to me on social media and have inquired and have asked me, what's going on? And I said, well, this is kind of Laura's baby. I'm just the guinea pig here. (laughs) But true story, you know, this is Laura's vision that she had. And now it's kind of coming to fruition. And the great thing about it is as we're announcing it, there's become more awareness to it. And we're getting ideas of what can we do to add on to thought? Can we get other LGBT professionals, not just planners, but other professionals involved as well? Attorneys, CPAs, insurance agents, you name it. We really want to be able to provide this resource, but I'm not going to steal Laura's thunder. This is her baby. But thankfully, with the launch of this for Pride Month, there's been a lot of attention to it and people have 
reached out and said, I want to be a part of this. I don't know what exactly you're doing, but please take my contact information. Tell me more. That's true. Because I'll tell you, it's been really exciting. One of the first things that I've done is talk with SAGE USA. SAGE is an organization that helps with elders in the LGBTQ community, and they provide resources and education for companies. So Ramona and I are both ambassadors for SAGE. And so we are available to help with education and just having presentations and helping people understand how to relate to the health issues that LGBTQ clients or people have and just how to be an advocate for them, how to really help and support. So one of the first things I did was I'm on the Pride Planners Committee, which is part of Financial Planning Association. And I said, how do we get these two organizations together? So SAGE has now created an educational workshop for FPA members and non-members. You know, you just have to pay a little more. But they have created this workshop for us so that we can start advocating through financial services and really understand what we can do to be there for the LGBTQ community. So that was one, like one of the first things. From that, we got the CFP board to allow us to have CEs. Which again, you know, when you start connecting these organizations, like I know you with Onyx, I mean, you guys are just way ahead of us and we're looking at what you're doing and we're trying to decide how do we do some of that too. But right now what we're doing is kind of connecting organizations that are LGBTQ with financial planning organizations and try to see how do we fit that together. And the LGBTQ advisors are coming out of the woodwork. They're like, we want to do what you're doing. Put us on the list. And we're like, okay, we'll let you know. We're gathering, we're gathering. Absolutely. And anything you need from us, just let us know. We are definitely here to help. That's why we're here because together everyone achieves more. I believe that. I believe it really. Thank you. Because I know LGBTQ is on your list too for Onyx. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yes, it was from the outset. We we're intentional from the outset. And we wanted to make sure that we were going to go out and try to help all underrepresented groups. And that was definitely one of them. As we're looking at that, I think it's a, this is probably a great time to talk about inclusion. Now, I know this is something that's near and dear to both of you, but we'll let whoever wants to fill this one. So talk to us about inclusion a little bit, Ramona. Yeah. You know, I think that in the past, inclusion was being invited to the party. And I think inclusion today is more than that. It's not just being invited, but it's being asked to dance. It's being in a room with people that look different than you. In this industry, we've all heard it's pale, male, and stale. And I feel as a woman, an LGBT female professional, it was really important for me to be around people who look different. And I did not really have that dynamic. I think that diversity and inclusion is really important organizations, but it's still not where it needs to be. And so for me, what I noticed was it didn't matter what corporation I went to. It still didn't seem like there was a focus of inclusion. So I, I found it in myself that I think I needed to create that environment and I needed to find people who thought the way that I did. And that's why Laura and I were able to get connected. I wanted to find somebody who was a strong female leader and who had diversity and inclusion, who was LGBT. And so I think that sometimes if you don't have that in the dynamic where you're working at, it's okay to create an environment that is inclusive. 
and to spend your time having conversations with people that you want to have conversations with, not just water cooler talk. And that was really important to me in in my decision to leave corporate and go branch out on my own because there's so many things that are going on in the world today that are very important. And I wanted to be talking the same language about underserved communities, about access, about human rights. So I think if you don't feel like you have that inclusive environment, don't be afraid to step out and create your own group. You know, I agree with you and find your financial advisor who meets that culture because, you know, you can't bring your whole self if you're afraid of what they're going to say or they're rejecting something, you know, about your personal self. And, you know, I went on the advisor inclusion counselor at LPL Financial in 2018. And, you know, when they asked me to be on it, they said they were creating this new council. And that was when DEI was starting and everyone was so excited. And I'm saying, don't put me on it if you don't want me to talk because I have an agenda. I have some things I'm going to say and I am not going to be, you know, just sweet and cookie cutter about it. I'm going to tell you what I think you need to do and how to do it. They've been really good about taking some advice and also, you know, showing up for us. And so I think that's what we need to do now, especially As you get older, you have to do something in this community to make sure that there's a difference. We have been trying to make changes in financial services for 30 years. So I'm, you know, now tired of talking about it and I'm going to make sure that I am intentionally working on it daily. So, you know, when George Floyd was murdered, we all finally started to get together on social media. That's when I saw you break out, Amlin. And I I just had to reach out to other people because I'm like, Y'all, we got to get this together. We are actually a majority if we just find a way to come together. And I think that's what we're seeing now is that lots of us are saying, yeah, we're going to work on this. And we are here for everybody. And we have a lot of skilled professionals that do good work. So to be able to highlight it on podcasts like this, you know, thank you so much, Emlyn, because it's so important for people to hear us and know that we're here. Absolutely. and. I'm just listening to everything that, that you two are talking about. And I think, you know, when I'm thinking about inclusion, I always think about, you gave a great example there, Ramona. And I think about inclusion is like, inclusion is more than just being invited over for dinner, right? Inclusion is helping pick the menu. That's inclusion. Like I'm included in what's going on. We need to have Absolutely. this and this and this on the menu so that we can do what we need to do. And to the advocates that are out there, if people that are going to listen to this and say, you know, we want to help, then reach out so that we can get some help. You know, one thing I can say since George Floyd, I think that day is going to, you know, that day since that murder, RIP George Floyd. But since that murder, the country, that's a definite timestamp. Like it was from May 25th, 2020, things changed. I think the country changed. I think individuals changed. I think groups of people changed collectively. I think that now we're at the point now where it's, we're done talking and now we're walking. And this is why you have organizations like the Rainbow Network and Onyx trying to make sure that things are changed in our industry and respectively in other industries. I'm sure they're doing things too. We just, we only control what's going on here. But one of the things like, as we're talking about this, I love that mental health is something that you have not, not talked about. And it's not something that's lost on either of you. And I think it's very, very important to speak about, especially in this community. And I'll let you two speak to it because I think I know you'll do a better job than I will. But I want to make sure that we talk about this. Like I've shared some stuff with you about my own past. And I think about, you know, people that I love that 
had to deal with it. And the mental health thing, the mental health piece is just, this is like, you know, last five years where people are actually talking about it before it was just like, well, you know, there's just something wrong with them. And I'm like, well, no, there's more than that. There's so with that being said, who wants to fill this one? I'll kick it off. Well, as a financial advisor, I think it's critical for us to understand mental health. As advocates to our clients, we have a, a responsibility to be knowledgeable about these things because there's so much stigma around it that one of the first things that is important to me when I talk to clients in our first conversation is understanding their money story. Money is a huge fear driving factor, but I think it could trigger things that may come up, anxiety or depression, or they may find themselves in a fight, flight, freeze mode around a certain situation. And so I think it's not only as human beings, but as a professional, it's vital for me to be able to do my job to understand basic components of mental health, to not discriminate, to be able to know how to assess each situation and understand what is their communication preference, what is their expectation of me, what is my expectation of them, really just kind of having the relationship piece about understanding who they are. And everyone has unique circumstances that in order to be really skilled advisors, we have to get into that. And we have to have clients feel comfortable around this conversation because they may have a family member who has diagnosis where we have to take into consideration. My sister was bipolar and she needed some additional care. I became her fiduciary and went to court for her because parents didn't speak English very well. And so I became her guardian. There were things that I had to do. And so really understanding the full picture of you know what families go through and just being able to listen and allowing them space to talk about these things. I think you know earlier I said I feel like a glorified therapist to some degree. I'm assessing emotions every conversation I have with my clients. And I want to be able to do that respectfully and skillfully. I want to be very intentional with the conversation that I'm having because this is going to solidify my relationship with them. This is going to allow them to trust me as their advocate and know that this is going to be a relationship we're going to carry on generations and generations. That's my goal. And I think it's very critical that as professionals, we really just have a high level understanding, but empathy and compassion is one way to go about that. Yeah. I say the same thing, Ramona. And, you know, when I meet with a client, I want to talk about money personalities, you know, because I think there's a lot of drug and alcohol abuse within families, you know, especially when you're talking about, like you had said, Ramona, you were an immigrant and your parents did not speak English as their first language. And when we come across someone like that, we have to know that there may be a lot more stress in that family because of that. And so, you know, you really have to understand the people. And how do you understand the people without looking at some of those things and having those tough conversations? I mean, I don't know how financial advisors or financial planners work without knowing some of those things. I mean, I'll talk to clients about, well, your kid is 35 and they're still living at home in your basement. Okay, we're putting them on the budget because you know, there's something happening here and talk to them about their mental health and just ask those questions and not be afraid because then, you know, we build trust that way, right? And then when the market is down like it is right now, 
we do have some trust because we've been talking about some other stuff and then we can continue to lead them forward. But you can't just do it about investments. You can't just do financial planning anymore and be effective, I don't think. I don't think you can do that anymore. I think you really have to be a whole person, deal with whole families and mental health issues in this country need to be addressed. And we're going to be doing that. We do that now. So Ramona, with your parents being immigrants, not speaking English very well, that resonates with me because my in-laws don't speak English. And so when we go like, like a regular trip to the bank to talk about something is not as pleasant as it is for someone else. This is like an anxiety driven moment. Like I got to go to the bank and hope that I find someone that speaks my native language so that I can have this conversation with them. I know it's something simple for everyone else, but for me, this is really a point of anxiety of going to this institution that's not going to understand me and trying to communicate with them. So that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? And as you continue to go, what other types of things come up from that? And I think that's just one little thing that can make Something that we may seem, you know, or someone that has, you know, speaks English as a first language may not understand why someone would feel like that. And I think that when you're talking about it, Laura, you're talking about people. We're in the people business. This is the people business. And that's what we do. You know, we do the numbers, but the numbers are easy. You just got to get the people right. If you get the people right, I promise you, you will figure out the numbers because then you know what they need because you know the people. Crazy idea. <laughs> so, <laughs> What I wanted to say is I mean, anything else on that, on mental health, that I want to make sure that we've touched everything there. Is there anything else that, that either of you would like to add there? I think mental health, the words have a stigma associated with it. And I would pose to position it as human health, as just really understanding your clients better and really understanding what's important to them, what their fears are. But as a society, we put things and we label things and we put them in categories to try to make sense of it. And sometimes that that can be counterintuitive. And so I think mental health, I don't really like the words themselves. I think it's more of just human health, human understanding of, you know, what were the conditions that they had growing up? What were some of the challenges they faced? And the mental health part is a byproduct of it. I think it's a symptom of their life. And so I think if we can just take a cautious approach about how we try to understand our client situation is is just really understanding humans. And I think that will allow us to be much more effective. Yep. 1000% agree. If we're in the people business, we've probably got to love the people. And you can always tell when someone has a genuine interest in the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's part of my allies to advocates training that I try to stress, you know, the elders in the LGBTQ community that were silenced and rejected and lost their jobs and their families, they're in their 80s now. Well, it was a mental health condition, you know, until like the 70s. They called it homosexual back then. We don't call it that anymore. But when you're dealing with some of our older LGBTQ members, you need to understand why some of these things are really sensitive issues to them. They were told they had mental health problems. And, you know, human beings are all messy. We all have mental health issues, all of us. I don't care who you are. But with the, you know, elders, when you're told that you have these issues and you have to change and you can't be who you are as a person, then that becomes a huge stigma on our community. So I think that's the other thing I'm always trying to help allies understand you know, when you're dealing with someone in a generation that's the silence generation, our older elders, 
you need to be real careful about talking about who they are and what they're doing and don't assume, you know, that they have mental health issues or don't assume that they're even able to talk about it because sometimes they're not. And so you really have to bridge trust in other ways, right? But I think that I'm always wanting to make sure that people are understanding that we are all people and we all come together with problems in our lives at different times. And so it's not like you take mental health and put it here and then you take investments here and financial planning there. I mean, it's all comes together in conversations, I think. Totally agree with that. I mean, you know, just a different element, like having conversations with the older members of the community is a different dynamic than the younger ones, right? Because we're talking about now, like mental health is something that we talk about. Back then, you're talking to people that have dealt with this for, you know, 50 plus years and they sure. never had the opportunity to have someone else say, yeah, you know what? This, so you're like 100% right. And it was something that I had never thought about until hearing you say it. Yeah, for sure. And even just the younger generation, you know, they call themselves queer and they're proud of it. They take it and they took that word back, which is great. You know, we're even careful about what words do we use with different generations, right? Because, you know, I don't have a problem with queer, but people who are above me in the generation do, you know, I'm more of the proud protesting generation. But the millennials, you know, when my niece came out LGBT, at first she thought she was lesbian, then she went bisexual. And now she's like, Aunt Laura, I'm just queer. And I'm like, okay, just be queer. And she's like, well, don't be condescending. I'm like, well, I'm not trying to be condescending. What am I supposed to say, you know? And so even we in the community have to understand that there's some issues back and forth when we're hearing things. So I just think it's so interesting to go back and forth on some things when you think about mental health issues and the millennials will talk about it in a minute. And then the older generation have a really hard time even expressing if they're taking any kind of medication and it is prognosis of some sort because of the sensitivity. Absolutely. So I want to talk about this. I love ESG. (laughs) I absolutely love it. So wanted to hear your thoughts on ESG. Okay. I can go to this first. I've been putting together ESG portfolios 10, 12 years. You know, I didn't know that it was going to be fashionable. I just thought that it was something to, (laughs) that it was important to put a screen on the investments. So, I mean, you start out the same way you do any other investment portfolios, right? And then if there's a sensitivity you're looking for or a screen that you want to add because of the clients that we're working with, we do that. We're still always looking for the best performers and things like that. We just may exclude some of the companies that when you look at their balance sheet or you look at their profitability, there may be some huge risks there because they won't work with some sustainability issues or they're using a lot of plastics and just throwing away everything. Whereas if they could, you know, use something in a renewable way, it might save on some costs. So I think we're seeing more and more of that going more and more people interested in talking about ESG, environmental, social, and governance. Those are the three words that we've kind of settled on. But, you know, back when it started, SRI was when it started, socially responsible investing. And it started mostly in the churches. You know, they were saying they didn't want to invest in the sin stocks, you know. And then it moved to more of a environmental social awareness. So we still have funds in in both of those areas. But I think it's important to find the companies that have been doing it a long time, that they know what they're doing and how they're doing it. I don't think that just slapping an ESG label on something is going to make it necessarily be something I would not invest in. I'm a purist. 
I'm the same way when it comes to DEI. I want to make sure that, you know, if people are actually walking their talk. So ESG is kind of that way. But what we have found is that the funds themselves and the investments have had more and more inflows into them since 2016. And we're seeing a real uptick in, you know, people wanting those investments, asking for them, saying they're not going back to maybe just a traditional portfolio. Um, So we have ESG products in our traditional portfolios, as well as just a standalone ESG. Yeah, it's one of my, you know, one of those things I preach on. I think they're so needed. And I think that it's the ultimate way to make sure that you're investing in what you believe in. It's the ultimate way to be able to align your personal values with what you invest in. And I don't think there's a, there's a, a better way to do it. And there's some really good software we can use now too, which we didn't have years ago. You know, the research on it's a lot easier. And there's some really good software that kind of dives deep to see, you know, really what's in there. Because I know some companies will be like, well, this company is not necessarily ESG, but they're better than these companies. So we've got to at least have this in the sector. And I'm like, no, that's not what I want for that. <laughs> no, that, that won't work for me. So I think there's a lot of discussion on it now, obviously, and uh, we'll see more and more of it grow, I think. There's room for it. And I think with organizations like yours and what we're working on at Onyx, I think we're going to push the needle on that. We're going to make sure that that's what people are doing because we're going to have groups of advisors that are going to want to make sure that their clients are aligning their values with their investments. Yeah. And you're going to see them and they have started adding human rights, Mm -hmm. right? So they are keeping countries out. There's some really good investments when you're looking at ESG for emerging markets. You know, I don't know if you've had Perth on your podcast, but Perth Tolly put together, you know, a good fund for that. Mm-hmm. And there's some other players out there looking at it to make sure that's human the, rights, not just freedom. about environmental. Yeah, that's freedom. Freedom fund. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Perth. Mm-hmm. We got to get you on, Perth. Haven't you got to get Perth on, on next. Yes, we haven't yes. had Perth on. We got to have yes. on. I've been thinking about it. We met back in Dana Point. We did this big old thing with Justin Costelli and like 10 other advisors. And that was uh, three years ago. Actually, it was three years ago this weekend. And oh, I came up cool. with my memories. But yeah, we will have to get her on. Yeah. As you both know, this is the Minority Money Podcast where we are changing the complexion of wealth. And we have a few questions that we always ask all of our guests. And the first one for you, Ramona, is... What inspires you to learn, to grow, and to lead? Wow, such a big question. I saw my family making some financial mistakes and other mistakes along the way because they didn't have the knowledge or the access to resources. And I grew up actually in, there was a period of time where I was in a foster home. And so my family dynamic was not traditional to say the least. And I did not have direction of college and what was going to happen. And doors kind of opened for me to go into the Navy. And after I joined the Navy, being on deployment and doing some incredible scary things, being stationed on an aircraft carrier, I felt that I could do something. I, I was surprising myself with the ability to be in a leadership position at 19 years old. And so it kind of inspired me to see what more could I do. And I kept pushing myself, really just curious and not 
knowing my strength or potential. And so out of curiosity, I kept trying and I kept doing. And I realized that I enjoy this, not just so I can have the credentials, but because I am passionate in helping people. My master's is in servant leadership. And I want to take what I learned and help people, whether it's through mentorship, whether it's as an example of an immigrant, someone who was able to go through some tough times and still come out on positive after it was all said and done. And so I think that my motivation to learn and grow is to set an example for younger generations, for women, for minorities, that if I can do it, you can do it too. And here's one way that you can do it. There's a ton of different ways that people can go on their journey. And one path is not the only way to do it. But I think that's the biggest thing that lights a fire underneath me is is just looking back and all that I've experienced and everything that I've accomplished along the way. I I failed many license exams. I have. And I failed and I failed and then I passed and then I passed. And I wish that when I was younger, someone could have helped me see that. But you know, I guess in hindsight, I still made it. And so that's my goal is wanting to help people and wanting to be an example and showing them that anything is possible. Love it. Continue to blaze that trail because there are people coming in that trail behind you that you're blazing, Ramona. So keep that going. Same question to you, Laura. Motivates me, inspires me, and uh, gives me hope. The younger generation, you know, starting in this industry, gosh, 30 years ago, women didn't have the opportunities that they have today. And people of color were not here. LGBT were all in locked closets somewhere. So I see this younger generation pulling together and talking about things and really describing and creating what they want in not only this industry, in life and how we are going to have this country change. And I think there is some scared folks who are older, which is fine because change is scary. But change motivates me. I love change. I love to see the new technology and the new ways people are making money and the new investments that are being created. And a lot of this is younger folks. They are just coming together, you know, like Onyx and some of the other XY planning, you know, they're coming together and they're saying, we're going to do it this way. This is how we want to do it. And the generation is stronger, saving more money more self-aware, going to make sure they all have a voice than my generation ever was. So I really get a lot of hope from that. And I get a lot of hope from seeing power within. You know, I think power within is important and it's stronger than power over. And I think the older generation above me who is just fit to be tied, trying to still raise their powerful fists over us is going to continue to diminish because we are stronger and we're going to stay and we are going to say we are going to love you because of you and love is stronger than hate and we are going to be self-motivating people and we are going to continue to make this change so i guess i'm just a very optimistic person you know on a scale of one to ten i'm like a 12 and i am because i hang out with younger people and i hang out with people of diversity and people who are making it happen so 
Thank you so much, Emlyn, for having us here. And thank you for the work you're doing. And just thank you for connecting with us and asking us to be a part of it. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'd have it no other way. You know, when I seen what you're building and just not only that, just interactions with people. I always talk about, you don't know who's watching, but I was sitting there watching, not that I'm anybody, but I just kind of watching just, oh man, this is awesome. Like what's going on? And just to see your interactions, like shout out to Leah Landa Verde, because she was on the show a little while back. And I know you and her are tight, Laura. I see you, you two chatting all the time on Twitter. And I love that, right? Because it's real life. We're real people and we connect for real. So I think that yeah. um, what you are doing, what both of you are doing is awesome. As we're wrapping up here, I would love to ask you this question. If you could offer a piece of advice or pieces, because I used to just say one, but you know, sometimes you, you have to have more than one. If there's any advice that you could offer to the listenership as we're wrapping up here, what would that be? One thing that comes to mind is an African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I think that we can't do this alone. I can't do this alone, Laura. I can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. I think that we need to have a community or people in our lives who light a fire within us to help be a soundboard, to help motivate each other. I think that having these type of people in your life is so important to keep you accountable, but also to encourage you on those days where you feel like nothing's working out and just to help know that you're not alone with in, in your situation. So I think that's probably the most important thing for anyone wanting to do something different, to have your community, have your tribe of people. Love it. Yeah, so true. So true. And I agree with all that. And to add to it, be willing to be vulnerable. You know, I'm a scrappy entrepreneur. I didn't go to college. I don't like a box. Didn't do well with it. Didn't even try. <laughs> But I got my CFP because I challenged that whole thing and said, I can do this. So, you know, know that you are intelligent, know that you are worthy. And if you are vulnerable and take the chance and have a little courage and reach out to other people that kind of sound like you and look like you, and it just kind of works, you know, that's culture. That's important. You find people who you are like and then help each other get better and better and move up. And I think that's really important because I know I've always been a vulnerable person and just told my story. That way, nobody can find any skeletons. They're all out on the table. We're all dealing with it. And people who don't like that stay away from me clearly. And I'm, I am so happy. And people who resonate with that, boy, we jump and holler and have a hell of a good time because we just got to be who we are right? And it didn't matter what age you are, you know, be who you are fully at every age. Stand up, take up room, take up space and be who you are, even if you're the only one in the room saying it. And then take a big, deep breath and give me a call because I will tell you it was worth it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Love that. Love that. Wise words from wise women. So if people want to get more of what you are putting out, please, 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 where can they get more from you two ladies? Laura, what, so what's your social media handle? Where can I get more? Well, it's my name, Laura Latred, at, you know, at Twitter. But if you just even Google that lesbian financial planner, you'll find me. I put that out there a couple of times just to either upset or excite people. And we have a website, familywmg.com. So familywealthmanagementgroup.com is also where you can find Ramona and I. Yeah, ask around. Mm -hmm. And Ramona, 
Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter at Ramona CFP and Facebook, Ramona Mayer with an I. But you can find us on CFP website and FPA. So Ramona and I are both listed as Financial Planning Association members. So you can find us there as well as CFP board. All right. So we will put all the links to that in the show notes. And once again, I want to thank both of you for stopping by and chatting with me a little bit, telling us about the wonderful start of the Rainbow Network and everything else that you're working on for the inclusion, for equality, for this industry to change. We're all in the same fight and I appreciate both of you. So thank you for coming on. And like I said, I can't thank you enough. And we will definitely be in contact with about how we can help each other. Thank you you so much. Thank you, Emlyn. As you all know, this is the Minority Money Podcast, where we are changing the complexion of wealth. Until next time. Another great showdown, but it doesn't have to stop there. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on now and give it a good rating, would you? If you feel really connected to the podcast, which I hope you do, find our Facebook community, Minority Money VIP, to support and be supported by others just like you. And again, we're glad to have you. While this podcast is meant to inspire and motivate you to live your best life, it can't be your complete one-stop shop. I know, I know, that really sucks. But I don't know anything about your specific situation. So please reach out to an attorney or CPA, or you can reach out to me, a financial planner, to help you with your specific situation. To get a hold of us, please reach us at fan at Minority Money Podcast. That's F-A-N at Minority Money Podcast, so we can get to know you there. Thanks for being here and until next time.